Welcome to Sport Faith Life. I'm Chad Carlson. And I'm Brian Bolt. We're two guys from rival schools who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. We're sports scholars, we're coaches, and we're competitive athletes, or at least we were. And together, we've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Today on Sport Faith Life, we are joined by Hope College co-athletic director, Tim Schoonveld. Tim teaches and leads with a pastor's heart. Beyond his AD duties, he's a professor of kinesiology and heads up the academic portion of the Center for Leadership. Today, Tim recounts the year of COVID for athletes and coaches in intercollegiate athletics. Let's get started. Hey, we're so excited to have Tim Schoonveld with us today. Tim, uh, glad to have you here. Hey, let's start off with the first question here for you. Tell us a little bit about sport in your life. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's interesting. Sport, I, I like to say, has kind of like saved my life um, in in sort of a unique way and not to be over dramatic. But, um, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, my, my parents didn't really know um, you know, they didn't know much about sport. So like they would go to games and watch us and they would cheer like if the ball went in for my team or for the opposing team and, um, you know, those kind of things. And, uh, you know, I never I, I didn't really know any different. Um, and I think, you know, at, in that era, it was a little different with with parenting and stuff like that. You know, not everybody had to go to like every event that your kid was at, you know, beginning in like first grade. Um you know, my dad's a CRC pastor. And so, you know, he, they came when they could and when they couldn't, you know, they, they missed it. But I, I looking back, I'm so grateful for how they were because I never had uh, parents like barking at me to like, you have to do this. You need to work harder. You need to be in these things. You know, like the harshest thing I think my dad ever said was after some game when I didn't play very well, it was like, man, you look really tired to, you know, out there today was, that was like the worst thing he said. And I think like, you know, like that was a, that was actually a gift. Um, um, and, and even for me, um, you know, in sport now with my own kids, you know, it's hard for me to kind of be quiet and not like give my opinion. And so like, that was a really helpful thing for me. I could just play, um, you know, I think again, old days, right. But when you just go play three on three at the park, um, that's what it was. There wasn't organized sport. I didn't do a lot of um, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And so I've just sort of been a part of the process of sport, maybe adapting and changing, um, just in, in culture in general. And, but it, it really saved me, you know, interesting being with the two of you, um, right. I got, got recruited to play basketball, um, coming out of high school and, uh, between Hope and Calvin, right. So I actually chose Calvin, uh, went and, uh, played basketball at Calvin for a year, um, and uh, tore my ACL for the second time at that uh, while I was there, at least partially, and just didn't have a great uh, experience almost exclusively because of me. So no, no uh, rip on Calvin or anything. Um, but I think it just, I, I just wasn't into it and just a lot of poor choices and things like that. And so I, so I dropped out um, of school actually after that, and I worked for a semester um, and then I would say again, you know, sport sort of saving me, you know, Glenn Van Weeren from Hope College, uh, who had recruited me, I sat in his office at the Dow and said, Hey, I'm going to Calvin, which, 
you know, now in my position, that's a crushing thing to hear. Um, and um, that's what I said. You know, he, he saw me at a game and just said, you need to come to Hope and this is where you need to be. And he basically got me in here, connected me with people. And, um, you know, I was a student assistant. Um, I wasn't really in shape to play. Uh, so I couldn't play here. Um, but really, again, I think it's where sport kind of revived in my life of, you know, the impact. And and ever since then, you know, I've been in a PE teacher, uh, coached at Hope for four years and then coached high school girls and athletic director, assistant principal. And now I've been here at Hope for 12 years working in sports. So it really has, I think, shaped every aspect of my life. Well, so refreshing to hear you say uh, what sport did you know did for you in a positive way. It seems like so often we're asking, "What can sport do for me?" But you're you're looking at it from, you know, from the back end, saying, uh, you know, sport did so many good things for me without you even necessarily asking for it to do that, which is a, a wonderful and refreshing thing to hear. So thanks for sharing that. So I'm wondering now if you can tell us a little bit about faith in your life. Yeah, you know, faith. Right, I grew up a CRC pastor's kid. Twice on Sunday, wear your Sunday's best, like never could miss church. Um, and I think, uh, you know, then went to college and all of a sudden it's like freedom, you know, I can kind of do whatever. Um, and I think, you know, actually like basketball was my life in high school, not really faith. I would like literally go to church cause all the old people would come and talk to me and talk about my games, you know, like that's why I wanted to go, which is, I'm just embarrassed by that now, but, um, you know, that's why I went to church. And I think, um, you know, really, really, I think, uh, you know, coming out of college, um, you know, my my wife was a tremendous impact on me from a faith standpoint, but also like having to recognize like, hey, what really matters in life and what's important. Um, I had some I had some, you know, poor experiences coaching really bad teams um, where I kind of would come home and say, hey, if, if coaching's all about winning, like I'm the worst, like I, I'm terrible. Um, and recognizing that like actually like life is really more about transformation and impacting lives and I think God's call on each of us. And so I think I've, you know, spent, I don't think God's finished with any of us. Um, you know, I really feel like um, all my experiences in life, you know, even now with my own kids, you know, some harder stuff has just shown me again a, a new, you know, vision of, of God and his call in my life and trying to figure out what surrender and trust looks like and um, you know, and trying to apply that in my work in a non-compartmentalized way, I think. You know, Tim, a lot of people, I think, that um, come from a faith background can resonate with your story. You know, you're a preacher's kid. That means that that faith became a central part of your life, even if it wasn't, right? It's one of those things that it became a central part of your practices, a, a central part of your routine, Um and then uh, there's a moment, right, that we, uh, a moment or, or a length of time where we make it our own and where uh, God calls us in a new way. And your story probably resonates with many that uh, have felt that over time and then look back over time and see how, uh, how the maturing process and how the spirit works in, in each of us. Uh, so it's a, I think there's a good connection to uh, a lot of our listeners as well. I'm wondering, I mean, you told us a little bit about you with a basketball in your hand and a little bit about being a preacher's kid, but there's there's probably something that, uh, you know, people don't know that much about Tim Schoonveld. I mean, what what's kind of behind the curtain here? Uh, give us one thing that uh, really describes you that maybe people wouldn't expect. Yeah, you know, 
that's a really interesting question. Um, I, you know, I would say, I mean, one of the one of the biggest things is more of personality style. Like, I'm a total pleaser, um, and I think when you're like a pleaser, particularly in the world of athletics and being an athletics administrator, that's hard. <laughs> like, that's actually a really hard deal because. Like basically, I figured out after a lot of years, like I don't please anybody, um, and so like it, it's a really difficult uh, process for me of recognizing um, I need to really lean into those um, core values of like faith and like the mission of uh, you know the institution that I'm working at in order to be able to say okay. Uh, I want to please everybody. I'm going to please nobody. So now I got to lean into sort of my core values of faith and say, okay, what what do I feel like I'm hearing from the spirit and from God? And then also I think like, hey, what's the mission and what's best for the institution? And then, you know, the hard part for me is then I got to tell people that and then um, and sort of deal with the fallout. But I think, you know, again, I don't know if that's different than a lot of people, but I think that's something that's a really uh, has been a, a real learning process, I, I think, over the last, you know, 15 years of my life, you know, that and COVID has kind of made that actually like better. Like now I'm just like, OK, like, sorry, this is how it's going to go. And you just kind of deal with it. So I think that's actually maybe a positive outcome for me of of COVID. But, yeah, definitely that's a that's been that's been something that maybe people don't know as much. Yeah, that's really the the. Um the answer in there uh, kind of got us going in a couple of different directions. And I think for many of us, when we're, when we're watching a coach on TV or we're, we're understanding what an athletic director might do, we have some sense of that. But in truth, people don't really know what a day-to-day role like athletic director entails. And I wonder if you could, you're at a, a small college institution, 4,000 students, Division three in here in the United States, and you have um, a broad uh, swath of uh, sports to oversee. Can you give us just a sense of, of the scope of your work uh, so that our listeners understand what you do, maybe on the, on the big picture? Uh, and then uh, the second thing there is, uh, if we can get to it, let's start talking a little bit. This We don't talk a lot about sort of a time-stamped uh, aspect of this podcast, but we're in COVID. Uh, tell us uh, uh, how your last year has been. Well, I, I'm being honest. Like last year has been terrible. So like <laughs> I'm just being really honest. Like I could say that like has been, it's been just extremely hard. Um, you know, the, the scope. Um, so uh, Hope has traditionally had like a had a, a two AD model. So like I would teach half the time and then I would oversee half of the sports. Uh, a couple of years ago, we moved that model to a single AD. So really now, um, you know, in my role, it's overseeing like literally every aspect of the athletic program. So from eligibility to recruiting, um, you know, budgets, um, it, it's. I would say at our level, it, it comes down to a, a significant portion of just relationship building, um, which which I think fits at least my gifts. Um, you know, obviously there's people who I think are far better at like task or um, orientation and things like that, that I'm just not, it's not my favorite. I can do it. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's building relationships and then trying to, I think for us, a mount uh, like a vision of, of really where we're trying to go with sport, which 
I think, you know, my faith background, I think, has helped uh, a little bit about that and to, you know, again, to not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but to be transformed um, and what that looks like um, when all the pressures are coming down. Hope's, hope's an amazing place, but, you know, you can come here and have a deeply spiritual experience, but you can also come here and have a relatively little experience with the spiritual. Um, and so, like, we have kind of a broad uh, constituency um, of doing that. And so, I, you know, I think the, the scope is over that. We've got uh, 22 athletic programs, um, 550 athletes, somewhere around 75 coaches in terms of head and assistants, um, you know, and then not to mention kind of our support staff. So it's, it's trying to get all of that um, organized and going. You know, one, I, I think the joke, um, COVID joke, if I can share that real quick, has been, um, you know, well, what's your job been like the last year? You know, people will say, well, you know, you don't even have sports. So like you must be doing nothing. And um, and, I, you know, I would say my job really has been uh, deliver bad news. So like <laughs> crying tears, uh, like just awful. Right. You're not going to have a season what you've worked for, all that stuff. Um, spend two weeks trying to like. Um, like help people feel better and kind of talk them off the ledge and those types of things. And then once you kind of get them to at least a good place, you feel like then it's been three months, um, you know, planning for the unknown. And then after three months, you flush it down the toilet, you deliver bad news, and then you spend two weeks kind of like, like helping people feel better. And, and we did that about three times, you know, and that was, um, you know, kind of, kind of our, our load with it. Um, but, you know, I, I do think in the end, we'll, you know, th there'll be some really good growth stuff for all of us out of it. But, yeah, it's it's been really hard um, to to just kind of manage it, to do it. You know, I think we, we said something about we had eighty five hundred tests for our athletes um, that we did over the course of the year. Um, you know, I mean, that's just kind of crazy. And then not to mention um, quarantine and isolation and games played and not played and all of that. So it's it's been a lot. This past year is what we hope has been a, a bit of a blip, I suppose, in terms of the work that you're doing, right? So, so, so much of it has been life draining and um, in a way that just nobody's experienced in the past. But as you, as I hear you describe what you do, you know, you're, you're managing groups of people, some are students, some are adults, you're working with budgets, you're, um, you know, driving vision, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, it sounds to me like you're not doing altogether too much different than what your dad did as a, as a pastor. I mean, am I, am I right in thinking that? Are, are, you're a leader yeah. here. You're, you're focused on building relationships. How is that different from being a pastor outside of the fact you're not preaching on Sundays? You know, I, I, I mean, that's a, it's a good perspective. I, I think you're probably dead on. And that's probably a little bit of my heart is I probably have a little bit more pastoral heart um, of and, and really of seeing like sport through that. So really, I mean, I want to win. Right. We all want to win. I think that's kind of a default when you're in sports, you're competitive. But like I really want to see like people's lives changed, like for the better and like for Christ. And so like like even winning at our level is like I want to win so that your platform is even bigger so that you can influence and impact uh, lives down the road. And I think, you know, that's, that's really what, what my dream, my goal would be. Um, you know, I actually, you know, interviewed a coach, probably the best answer ever 
um, of a, like, how do you, what's the best way for you to share your faith, you know, with your team? And, and he kind of said, well, the best way for me to do that is to win games. <laughs> and like half the search committee kind of looked at him like, yeah, okay, whatever. But like in reality, like if you don't win games and have the platform, you actually lose a significant part of your platform if you're bad. Um, and I mean, I, I think you can still impact when you're two and 19 or whatever, but you definitely lose a lot of that, especially in today's world. And so, that that's really my goal is to do that and to uh, to walk with our coaches, um, you know, through the good and the bad and, you know, the personal. And and so, yeah, that that's an interesting one. You know, you, you maybe laugh at this. I've I've I preached a sermon with my dad one time in a church. So I've actually done that. Um, I've 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 done six weddings. I've officiated six weddings. So I've mm-hmm. done that. Um, and uh, we, we have had a couple other really unique experiences that would sort of, sh- um, you know, lean more towards the pastorate, although I would never want to actually be a pulpit pastor. Well, I'm going to avoid uh, entering the confessional here and uh, <laughs> we'll talk a little bit more about uh, sport and the change that you talk about. So you've mentioned a few times this alteration of life, this transforming that happens, the, the not conforming to the way of the world. And I know that a lot of coaches and a lot of uh, athletic directors, people of faith, will have long lists of processes of things that they think they can do to make that happen. What I'm curious about is how do you know when it has happened? How do you assess the quality of your work? If this is what how you're measuring yourself or you're measuring your programs, yeah. uh, how, do, how do we know? I mean, there's, it's definitely hard, I think, to, to create data for that. I think, um, you know, I, I would describe here at Hope, um, when we say, Hey, we want to transform your student athlete's life to parents, I would say, Hey, well, how do you do that? Um, I think, um, you know, we want there to be a noticeable positive change in who they are as a person, uh, over the, their four, you know, hopefully four years here, um, you know, a, a, a noticeable change in positive ways. And and I think I see that and evaluate that most because I think most college kids come in self-absorbed, selfish, all about me. And I think when you see them going out where they're giving back to their teammates, where they're, um, they're serving, sacrificing, I think, again, um, you know, if you if you go into Philippians two, right? Uh, hey, that what does it say about take the the mindset of Christ in and serve and sacrifice and give of yourself? And I think really transformation comes. I think when people start serving and sacrificing. Um, again, not the only way, but I think you know for me. And so, like as I watch as students leave, um, when they're willing to give up playing time, when they're willing to give up time to invest. Um, you know, I've got a senior daughter right now, and she's busier than ever. She's got internships. She's trying to uh, play on her team. She's trying to get a job. She's trying to go to grad school. But then when you see them being willing to get up at 6 a.m. to go work out with a teammate, all those things, I, I, I evaluate that in many respects as change. Um, we have, you know, a transformation, I think, um, you know, it's not all of them, you know, God's not finished with any of us. So like, I mean, there's some that were like, okay, God, you got to start working on this one or whatever. Um, that was probably me in college. Um, but I think, um, you know, that's, that's the big, that's the big piece for me. And I think it's really, 
uh, you know, vision leaks. So you've got to just keep the vision going constantly in front of coaches, in front of athletes. And that's been in my 12 years, a really a yo-yo uh, effect of, you know, sometimes we get a little bit too focused on the competitive piece and like just winning and we forget about the transformational. And sometimes we get a little bit, I think, bordering on like soft about like, oh, it's just transformation. Huh? Let's have a good time. And I think there's like the and in between those competitive excellence and transformational experiences. And so we're like, we're going to do both at a high level because I think that's what God, you know, is calling us or we're going to try to do both and see where that lands. And, and I think, you know, Again, we we're not perfect, but I would I think there's been this significant impact here, you know, as I've watched over the years. A couple of days ago, Tim, my son asked me what an athletic director does. And I said, well, one of the main things that they do is they hire coaches and they also, you know, do the opposite. They have to fire coaches. And you know, he thought for many, he said, I think I'd like the hiring part, but not the firing part. <laughs> and what's interesting about that is um I think when you talk about coaches alongside athletes, right, you're talking about transformational experiences and wins and losses. So much of that is driven by the coaches and the coaches are hired and let go of by the athletic directors on college campuses in the United States. And so what's the what's the work like that you're doing with our coaches and 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 how do you see them as part of, um, you know, following uh, in some ways driving the vision that you've set for this athletic department to be competitively excellent and also to transform lives? I mean, it's great. So, I, you know, I would say um, uh, in my mind, like how, what's a how, what's a good idea or how do you become a good AD? Hire great coaches. I mean, like there's like no doubt about that. And it's really like, how do you become a great coach? Have great players. <laughs> I mean, like that's like the reality. And so like if if there's you know, if anybody would say, hey, you know, Tim, you're doing a great job of this. It really is because we just have great coaches. Um, and I think that's a big piece. And I think that's where, you know, the the vision piece and continuing to kind of model things is a critical piece. We we would never say, so like, I think the way of division one in the world kind of is like, if you don't win, boom, you're fired. Um, and I think like, we're, we're, we're not at all into that. Some people might say, well, you, if you let somebody go, that's because they didn't win. What I would say is we're in the business of impacting students' lives. And so when the student athlete experience is not going well, um, that's when we start having a problem. So like if you're 500, we're not probably happy, like we need to get better. What's kind of the plan? But if your student athlete experience is still going well, we're, we're, we're not alarmed by that. Generally speaking, as student athlete experience goes, so does your record. So like when your student athletes are having a bad experience, you're generally not as good because I think culture and all that plays into a lot of big things. And so I, I'm probably less concerned about um, record, although I do care, um, you know, because I think if you're doing things the right way and you're you know, recruiting and getting great players, like you're generally going to have some success. Um, and, and you just have to keep that out there, but it's, it's, it's getting the right people on board. It's getting the right people, um, the right coaches, um, to understand the vision. And, and that sells too, when you can get one, two, three, four coaches who have significant influence that buy into the vision, then I think they actually help to make that happen on campus. And, you know, that's what we've had as we've had turnover and retirements and changes. Um, I think we've gotten some people in that really have helped change the culture internally of our athletic department. You know, it, it's not the same um, starting point as maybe a youth sport coach when you're talking about uh, being a, a collegiate coach, right? You, 
you're getting the athletes at 18 years old and they've had lots of experience in sport. And you're grateful for that because that means they have uh, some prerequisite skills. They have some strategic understanding. They can really work with a team maybe. Uh, but it's also true that they, they may have developed a perspective on sport, a, uh, an understanding of sport and culture. Uh, they are in many ways far down the road in understanding sport. And, and sometimes it turns out to be a really um, detrimental aspect of their personality. Or um, maybe it's, it's taking the wrong place in their life um, in terms of sport. So when you think about the, the in some ways, uh, pretty finished products that you're getting, I know you have much work to do mm -hmm. once you get them. Uh, what is it in sport that if you could change it uh, at that youth level, um, they would do, a, they would, you know, somehow have better experiences as they enter as 18 year old uh, student athletes. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, I mean, pers the, the perspective change of everybody involved in youth sport, I think would be something that I would change. I think that goes, you know, there's a, there's a product with parents who just do all these youth sports and it's, it's, you know, quantity over quality, um, because they think that they're missing out, right? Kind of keep up with the Joneses type of scenario. If I don't do this, well, then this is going to be the problem. Um, and then I think, you know, there's just a, like youth sport has turned into money-making situations, right? So my kid can play on the, you know, the D travel soccer team, um, you know, which is nothing other than they're collecting my money and telling me that I've got to get this great experience and whatever. And, um, and that type of thing. Like I remember, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, there was like one AAU team in like the Holland, Zealand, Grand Haven area, just one. And it was like, the best kids from the teams played on that. And that was it. You know, now there's like 14 of them and like everybody thinks, well, if I don't do this, then I'm not going to be able to make it. So that would be a big one. And I mean, I, I'm totally biased and this is a personal opinion. So hopefully it doesn't offend any of your viewers. Um, I, I'm, I'm just totally not a believer in like travel and club sports. Um, and, uh, I do believe that some kids play and it does help them, particularly if I'm thinking like a basketball setting, um, you know, middle of the range kids, seven, eight, nine, ten type kids, you know, like somebody's going to make it. And if they've played a little more, that probably is why I just I'm just not a believer like our personal philosophy, like our children have have basically never played travel sports with the exception of when I got sucked into the youth soccer when one of my kids was younger and um, and I, and I like, and we don't allow our kids to play on Sunday. And so like we said, you can't play on Sunday until you get your license and you're 16. And then if you want, then we'll have a conversation and you can choose. And that's just been our personal belief. I'm not saying that on anybody else, but I think that's been helpful for us because like we need a, like a day of rest and we need a day that's different. Um, and so, you know, that's been helpful. And, and I mean, to be honest, you know, we've, it's, it's been kind of nice, like our kids have done okay. And so they've been able to still play and do that kind of stuff. But for me, that's, you know, I just, I just think it gets messy. It's, it's more money driven now at the youth sport level. And I think keep up with the Joneses. And I just think for what, you know, it, I, yeah, sorry if that was, 
Let me let me ask a follow up to that, Tim. Um, you know, there are some people that that want to be Joneses, um, but uh, let me get more specific to the to the Sunday the Sunday yeah. deal. So Hope College Athletics has a policy and always has that there will be no no competitions on Sunday, no games, no practices. I believe Calvin University follows the same policy. And yet we're getting student athletes at our teams that have grown up playing on Sundays. And this is a new thing for them. Whereas if, if you looked back 50 years, you know, you might find that many of the student athletes at Hope College or Calvin University would have grown up in families that also would have disallowed Sunday play. And there would have been less opportunities to play on Sunday in organized sport. But even, you know, for instance, uh, Calvinist backgrounds that would have that would have um, said, you know, no, no physical activity like that on Sundays at all, informal or formal. And so now Hope and Calvin are getting student athletes who have grown up playing on Sundays for the most part. And all of a sudden they come to the college and are told we don't we don't do stuff on, on Sundays. What's what's that like to, to the students? Do you get do you get backlash? I mean, you're hearing, hey, we need a day of rest. And, and I, I, I think there's there's some great sense and logic to that. Maybe uh, some theology behind that as well. I just love to hear your thoughts on that particular no Sunday play issue. I have, I, I would say I've literally gotten zero pushback from anybody with the exception of like what we're finding in certain sports. So like golf and tennis, it's really hard to find like highly competitive events that aren't on Sunday. So that's, that's where like, I think there's a little more push from, you know, especially golf, um, you, you know, that that's the hard one, but you know, it's interesting, and I think you guys maybe would see this too. You know, what one of the hardest things for like students is they always complain about being too busy. Like I've got too much going on. I'm so busy. I'm overworked. I'm overwhelmed. And I actually think, like at our place, they appreciate not having to have like Sunday practice and like where they can get a break. I think it's an interesting one with coaches. You know, a lot of coaches have liked the COVID year because they, we went to like a, a day counter. So you could have 114 days of uh, practice versus it used to be like weeks. And now coaches can spread it out like over the whole year. And, and I actually heard some complaints from kids who were just like, yeah, I'm sick of it. Like when my season's done, um, you know, like I want to be done. Um, that's why I chose D3 and, and some of that. And it's not all of them. You know, we have some coaches that don't subscribe to that either. Um, but I think, you know, that that's I, I, I just believe like like our world. Right. And so and this is maybe, again, a personal take. What, what do you see? You see more people doing way more things on Sunday. And I think part of that is because we've filled our lives for six days now, what used to be five days. So like when we were growing up, like it was a five day work week and people just did this. And then all of a sudden now people start working all day Saturday and it's like, well, now I got to mow my lawn on Sunday or I got to do this or I got to do that. And that's not a rip on any of us who do it. I mean, I do too, but I think like there's a, um, there's, you know, we just continue to fill our time. And, and I think, again, when you take it back to a faith standpoint of, hey, be still and know, <laughs> you know, like w- when was the last time really like sometimes in our traditions where people were like really still, you know, it, like we just spend time with God and sort of just sit. And I teach a May term right now where there's part of the deals they're supposed to take one hour a day of like kind of quiet time or God time. Well, like none of them are doing it like that, you know, I mean, like they're trying, they're acting like it. But I mean, like in the end, they're like, oh, I'm so busy. I can't get your paper to me because I've been working a new job. And I'm like, so you're doing quiet time. Well, no, actually. 
And so I think like the ability to have that in and probably, and again, not a threat. I, I just probably won't be the AD if we ever go away from, if we start playing on Sunday. Cause I mean, I just like, it, it will literally mean for our staff that we'll be working seven days a week. You know, the, the kids have the NCAA, they got to take a day off, but we'll just wind up working seven days and just don't think that's healthy or productive or even maybe what we're called to do. Yeah, the uh, the playing on Sunday uh, history is really kind of interesting. I asked my students um, when I was teaching uh, classes in kinesiology, you know, they're seniors, you know, how many of you uh, had any Sunday restrictions on sports? And, you know, for a while, I'd get uh, a smattering of hands, maybe about half the class. And then a few years later, it would get down to maybe, you know, a half dozen. Now, uh, they don't even know how you're framing the question. Uh, like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? We, I, I don't know. I don't even know what you're, you're asking. So, uh, that, um, has the sentiment that you are suggesting, uh, has not made its way to any other parts of the church, uh, which is really, really interesting that the, the, the bulwark, the standard, the, uh, the ones holding the line on this are a handful of Christian colleges. Um, it's, it, it, it's pretty rare, uh, as a golf coach. And I can tell you it, uh, it perplexes me, you know, probably two, three times a day, I delete an email of an invitation to a tournament that's either a Sunday, Monday or a Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and those are the ones that, you know, on that competitive edge, you want to be, you want to be in those tournaments, right? You want to get to those places. And so I understand the tug when people talk about those things, it'll be interesting to see over the next decade how places like Hope and Calvin handle this, this um, kind of perplexing question. Uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a, uh, a niece play travel something. And so we went on Saturday just to watch and um, I ran into a guy I know and his kid was on the team and, Oh, how's it going? You know, in, in softball, if you've been around it, like travel, like they, it's every weekend. I mean, like you, you could literally play like eight weekends in the summer and, and, you know, they were only halfway through and he's like, oh, it's just so hard. You know, we we uh, you know, we can't ever go to church. We can't ever go up north. We can't do anything. It was softball all the time. And then he kind of ended with like, well, but my daughter, this is what she wants. So that's what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, she was, I don't know, 13 maybe or something like that. And I'm like, um, no judgment, but like in what other area of our life do we let our kid tell us, Oh, I, this is what I want to do. So we just say, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Like I, my daughter wants to stay up till two in the morning. No, you're going to bed. Like she wants to have Mountain Dew at 1030 at night. No, you're not like we say no, if we think those are things that are helpful. And so it just, it made me laugh a little bit inside because I think, you know, that's where kind of the keeping up with the Joneses, I think, you know, hey, if I don't do this, I'm not going to do it. And and I will say again, it's just my philosophy. So like, I don't, I mean, if, if people want to do it, I don't, it's, it's not a problem, but I think it's really hard because I do think that like, you know, like people need a break. And I, you know, my daughter, um, like all through high school, like she wanted to play multiple sports. She wanted to be involved in like the music group. She wanted to play the guitar in chapel and like all that stuff took time. If she had been doing travel stuff, I just don't think she would have been able to do it. And so I think for her, that was a really good fit for her. And then obviously she's had some success just because I think God blessed her, you know, with a work ethic and some ability. Um, But it's, it's definitely hard, you know, and I would also say, 
um, when you have multiple teams playing, you just have less. So like, like the idea of like, um, well, why do we play on Sunday? A lot of times, cause that's when like gyms and facilities are available now because they're used all the time. Well, they're available, you know, on a Sunday. So then somebody's like, well, I can get gym time or, Hey, we can run this tournament and we can do it. I, I think when I was growing up, you just had less teams. And so it was kind of the good old, like, Hey, the high school would allow you to just use their gym and they didn't charge you and all these things. And now as everything's gotten like more formal and, and I think some processes that are probably for safety that actually work, that's changed a lot of that. And then, you know, Hey, we can't find any gym space unless it's Sunday or, you know, that. So I, I, I think there's some natural things. I just, I just think it's hard. Yeah. And I found, um, looking back you know, my, my, my children have now made it, uh, beyond all those years. And, uh, like you, uh, sort of held the line different than, than a lot of folks around and, and tried to stay away from, except for the occasional sucked in moment, just like you, you had. Um, but it's been, it's been, uh, no regrets. Um, and that's been one of the strengths. And so one of the things I try to help families with is, you know, right in the middle of it, it's really tough to make that choice. Um, but they can make it right. It's, it's, it's one that each family needs to make. And it's not one that is, um, I, I don't think it's helpful to talk about it as a moral imperative this way or that way. Uh, it's more helpful to just say, you know what, um, and what's God telling you in this, in this moment. Um, and so to me, I, I think that that's one of the, the questions that, um, it's just worthwhile bringing up every once in a while to, to help encourage each other to make good decisions around that. And I want to give you a chance to um, maybe talk about uh, just a handful of, uh, or maybe just one. Uh, we've had some so a rough year. Just just one or two good stories that you can think of from this past mm-hmm. year. Something where uh, perhaps it's a it's a student, maybe it's a it's a member of your family, um, where where sport uh, and and maybe sport and faith um, had a moment. Uh, and, and it's easy for us to see the negative over this last year. I, I know that you're in at heart, Tim, you're, you're kind of an inspirational guy. Um, tell us a good story. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great one. I mean, um, you know, there's been some, some stuff here. So like a couple, a couple of years ago, uh, we had this, uh, I think, I think she was, she must've been a junior, um, uh, swimmer, her and her friend, they had some issues with, I don't know, roommate, like when they first came in and turned into this, um, really like bad scenario of not getting along and, and whatever. And, um, so I, I got pulled in cause I only get pulled in like when something bad happens generally. And, uh, so I got pulled in and I just wound up like hanging out with these two swimmers and they were like in tears and just upset about it. And so we just talked and hung out and, you know, I kind of developed a friendship with them, uh, prayed for them and like helped, you know, get them what they needed and was there for some different things along with the coach and some other people. And, uh, but this young lady was like, shy, like super anxious, like kind of like, uh, just nervous about everything. So like, it was a really hard scenario. And then I come to find out like in swimming, it was the same way. Like she'd freak out like before meets and just super nervous. Okay. So, um, so you fast forward to this summer, we're in the middle of COVID, um, all of that. She gets to about August and she gets diagnosed as a 21 year old with breast cancer, like stage three breast cancer. Mm. And, um, 
And so, like, immediately, like, she gets home, uh, chemo, you know, mastectomy, it's all out there. So I'm not giving her secrets away. Um, but, you, you know, and all this, and then radiation um, and, you know, surgeries and all this kind of stuff. And she's basically, I think, probably in a nice way, COVID helped her because she could do a lot of remote stuff and still could do it without being there. But she had to be home. It's her senior year. She's away from it. She misses um, the whole swim season. So she she uh, decides surprise like last minute the the league championship meet uh, was hosted by Calvin, um, and so she flies in to surprise the team, and uh, and then while she's here she had gotten permission from her doctor to be able to actually swim, and so like she comes in um, and she swims and she you know I heard her in a in a video the other day where she was like you know I haven't probably swam that slow and you know since I was seven and all these types of things well she beats like three kids you know like she still wins like three kids and uh, the interesting thing I got a chance to kind of hang out with her and with her parents she she turned from like this shy um, like quiet like nervous young lady like she is a confident woman who like loves the Lord like she dove into like the Lord uh, I think like our community rallied around her like both our exercise science and kinese department and our like athletic department like rallied around her um, their church like all these things and like she's a transformed person like she is literally a different um, woman today like heading to grad school at Duke and I think, you know, for me, like, that's what I'd say, like, that's the beauty of sport done well. And like, even in a crappy situation, um, you know, that's what it is. And and I think she would even say, hey, like this year wasn't what I wanted, but you know what? I got closure. I got to swim that last one and I got to be with my friends. And I've actually like realized like what's important in life. Um, and I think I tell students a lot, um, hey, when something bad happens, like w- there's like the safety net of sport to catch you. And um, like it's preparing you for like what's in the future. Like there's divorce, there's a sick kid, there's death, there's like all these things. And like that's way worse than like losing a game or like not playing or all those types of things. And so like that's where I think like sport done well, like really prepares students for that. And so it was, you know, that that's one of the best parts of my year um, was just kind of seeing, you know, it's, her name's Hope and um, to be able to do that. Um, and just kind of how God's like transformed her through something really difficult. Tim, uh, thanks so much for spending a little time with us today. Uh, this has been fun. Uh, and thank you for the work that you've done over the past year. I know you had to really lean into this in a very different way. Uh, but it's people like you that are um, doing good work in sport that gives us something fun to talk about but also uh kind of inspires us to to keep going forward um for sport faith life we we just want to bring out stories just like this so that we have an opportunity to for you to share and for this community to continue to grow so thanks very much for being with us thanks for having me Thanks for listening to the Sport Faith Life podcast. Find previous episodes at sportfaithlife.com and on Apple Podcasts. We're releasing each episode with a blog post authored by our guests, so you can find the blog for this podcast and other posts at the same website, sportfaithlife.com.